Uh, Welcome to the Bless Up Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Rachel, here as always with James and Corey. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about... What do you, why are you making me sound like a, like, like a nighttime like talk show host? Oh, Delilah. This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. Corey is back. He's no longer left James and I for a youth camp. Bro, chill out. So he's back. He's back. I, so I know, like, Delay brought fire on last episode. So I'm sorry. We don't have Delay today. Corey's back. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I mean, he didn't need to, like, come from a spot on the podcast like that. Shout though. out to Ola Delay. Listen, Man. he was amazing. Big homie. Uh, right. Well... So listen. I, I got his number. If y'all just want to call him. <laughs> we can call him in real quick. No. No, you you can have your seat back, which is never next to me, always across from me. Because Corey doesn't like to sit next to me while we record. That's not oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so out of context. Uh no, anyway, sorry. He has to he has we so when we record this, we're in a room where there's like a whole glass wall and Corey has to have the glass wall behind him so that he doesn't get distracted. ADHD is real, y'all. We're you keeping. to talk about what it's like to be an adult that still lives with this. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it out loud. I just thought that man was Bill Quigley who walked into the stadium. <laughs> that's exactly. That's my point. He's looking. I, I now thought that was the, Bill Quigley. That would have been amazing. Oh, shout, out, shout to, out to Bill yeah. Quigley. Wherever, wherever you're at. He used to bring me bags of apples into my office from his apple tree. My guy. Indeed. I know you're not listening because you don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> my guy. All right, listen. Today's question, today's question, here's what we want to know, or what nobody wants to know. I don't know. Depends on how you answer this. Uh, what is something from your early Christian life? So you're newly saved. Uh, as Corey always says, he broke all his CDs and then regretted it. Oh, shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to 8701. I still miss you. Oh, I still have man. it. <laughs> but so what is something from your early Christian life that you look back on and you're like, dang, that was cringy. I can't believe I did that. And I'm mad that there's proof. Man, I could say a bunch of things. I think the the two most cringy things for me was just like the mentality. Like when I got saved at the church camp, it was very much so like it was the kind of Pentecostalism where it was like if you don't go to church three times a week and go to every auxiliary church event, then you're not saved and you might get kicked out of the church. It was really that kind of a setting. So I went to, I, I just went to everything. Me and the homie Max, we were at, we were at everything in his four Taurus. We were driving <laughs> everywhere. Oh, so everything. you were a teenager. So, uh, no, he had the Bronco when we were teenagers. <laughs> Shout out to the Bronco. Another more stories for days about, about that blue Bronco, but. No, nah, we like we really truly believe that if we didn't go to all these events that we weren't going to be saved. And now I look back at these like historical events that I missed <laughs> because I thought that if I missed church, I wasn't going to be saved. One of them being like someone like a friend of mine offered like me tickets to like Welcome to Heartbreak, like the Kanye 808s tour. Mm. Like he was like. Welcome to Heartbreaks in Cleveland, bro. I know you love Yay. I was like, I don't love Yay. I love Jesus. <laughs> That's tough. 
Oh, I remember. Man. I, love, I, I love both. And Not I did, equally, of And course, I didn't but... go. And if I would have went, then I could have said, yeah, I went to Glow in the Dark and I went to Welcome to Heartbreak. But now I, I, I missed that. Uh, the Apex Youth uh, Camp, I went and I was on security. Like, I literally didn't even, like, I had the bottom of the barrel roll. We were in these yellow shirts and we literally just walked around the camp. They literally told us to make sure kids weren't fornicating. So <laughs> we, was, we was walking around the camp looking like in in the rooms, under the pool tables to make sure kids fornication weren't, weren't fornicating. Oh, my God. And Max's, Max's, uh, his girlfriend then, his wife now, her family, like, just had tickets to the Cavs Orlando Magic's playoff game <gasps> in 09. I was at that when was Le- such a good series. We know, it was we heartbreaking. Know, we know you were there. When it was Le- we know. heartbreaking. When LeBron, when LeBron hit the, the shot. The half-court shot. When LeBron hit the shot. Ugh. We were supposed, like, I could have been in the arena. And I went back and forth about it. I was like, they don't really need me here. I was like, kids going to fornicate <gasps> anyway. That's what kids do. <laughs> like, they, don't, they don't really need me here. If they want to fornicate at church camp, that's on them. I'm I so sad. But I didn't, I didn't get to go. I didn't get to go. And that's just two things I could think of, but there's many things. So now in Jesus' name, the Lord wants me to Sabbath at, a, at events. So at, at good cultural events, the Lord wants me to, wow. to Sabbath now. So Listen, I know this is not helping you. This is rubbing salt in the wound. But oh my I, know that, I know that we lost that series. That is still the greatest Cavs game I've ever been I'm, to I'm, ever I'm, in my life. I'm sure. I'm like, I... That was I, the year. That was the year the world was robbed of a Kobe versus LeBron finals. Yeah, because a stupid Kobe. Dwight, Kobe went. Yeah, Kobe I, I've went. I'm still and not forgiven Dwight, Dwight Howard. Yeah, it was tough. Dang. Um, honestly, <clears throat> I can think of so many super specific things that I look back in my early Christendom, and I'm like, that's so cringy. But to be all the way real with you, I don't know every person who listens to this podcast. And I don't know if I want to be that honest with all of you, if I'm keeping it all the way real. Um, so I think that the best like summary or generalization I can make of that era of my faith to me would be um, how much of my early faith I allowed to be formed at being the like to be formed as if it were being formed against something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean by that? So like, so like I would find something in the Christian faith that I didn't like, and then I would build my faith around being the anti that, you know what I mean? So like, if yeah. I didn't like, if I didn't like big church, I was, I was going to be a part of like the anti big church. Or if I didn't like, you know, the way that the, like your stance on, you know, a particular, a particular thing, I know we're going to talk about liberties in a minute, like a particular thing I would be like, I'd be like, I'll show you that people who love Jesus can still do this thing. Right. Like, and I think the amount of my faith in my early twenties that was built off of off of wanting to like wear this chip on my shoulder that nobody put there um, of like, I will show you that people who love Jesus can still blank. Um, I think that that is something that I look back on that I'm like, dang, that, that is cringy. That and the fact that all of my old like youth pastor messages are saved on a Dropbox (laughs) that nobody will ever see. Those are the two biggest things that are like just so cringy. Yeah. To me. I think for me, um, 
this is this is maybe a, a different direction for response, but like the thing that I think of that is the cringiest thing I gave into uh, when first becoming a Christian was sensationalism in storytelling. And what I mean by that is like unethical communication of people's testimonies that I had no business sharing. So like in communications work, cause like, cause I've always been in some form of communications. And so my early years, like I was in uh, mission stuff, like short term mission work. Um, and then I worked at like a smaller church during community partnerships and stuff like that. And everybody wants to hear stories and testimonies from whatever the ministry is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Cause they want to know what you're supporting. And like when I, with little regard for how sensitive of stuff you're really dealing with. Yes. And like when I, I, I when I first started working, this is early two thousands, right? Like I'm fresh out of college. Um, I've never had a ministry job ever in my life. Um, and one of the things that you're not taught as a journalism major, or at least you weren't back in the early two thousands, because this is pre social media, right? Like, storytelling and communications has changed so much. Like Instagram didn't exist. Like we had, we had blogs and we still had AOL instant messenger when I was in college. Shout out to Zanga. So like communications is so different now. So like I never took courses in ethical storytelling and things like that. And so when I look back, when I look back, like my cringiest moments, I think were giving into, uh, communication and storytelling and testimony sharing in the same avenue as like the Sarah McLaughlin puppy commercials, right? Like the over emotional, right, right, right. Like that, that's how people told stories in the early, they put a super emotionally driven song. They gave you like pictures of sad kids because that's what they think people are going to give money to like it was not empowering to people and like that is my that is my constant greatest I just sat in like for for training uh yesterday for a new job that I've started and an entire session an entire like zoom call dedicated to ethically telling stories Mm -hmm. like how to ethically communicate how to like communicate stories in a way that is empowering to the person who would hear it. So that like, if this person were sitting on the other side of it, hearing it, would they be honored by the way you communicated their story? And by the way, did you even have permission to share it? Uh And so like it, it, uh, the whole time I was just like, Oh my gosh, Lord, thank you for working in spite of my ignorance and like the lack of training that we had back then. I can't even blame a single boss or like person that I, that like asked for stories because none of that was a thing back then. Like the world of communication has changed so much that like I blame no one, but I look, I do look back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, boundaries, yeah, like boundaries and training. And like, there were so many things that I didn't have. And like, I know that's like a different avenue than maybe what, what we were thinking with that question, but no, that's a great, that's, that's a, so cringy. <laughs> that's, that's just, we've come a long way. You know, yeah. we've learned, we've learned in evangelicalism that the African kids didn't give consent to be on Facebook. Right. Oh my gosh. Picture. Right. They didn't, give, they didn't give consent. Man, I like, as an adult have gone back and I'm like, I'm removing every picture of a short-term mission trip I ever shared because I was so young. That was all of us, man. 
Man, it was a whole era. It was I'm, a whole era. I'm literally cringing right now. <laughs> I'm looking for the transition right now. I'm like, where is it? Uh, that was my listen. Where that is it? that was my cringe. I was cringe. I think it's here now. <laughs> so, so go so ahead. The question. James. So the question, like, that I've been thinking about because of conversations that I've had with folks, like, over the course of the past few months, is about Christian liberties. And Christian liberties being like the idea where Paul in First Corinthians is telling the Corinthian church, hey, I know you're super gifted. I know some of you guys are Jews. I know some of you guys are Greeks. I know you come from different cultural backgrounds. But in the midst of this, hey, you're free in Christ now. So your freedom in Christ doesn't like you don't have to be Jewish to be a Christian. You don't have to be Greek to be a Christian. Like you are now free in Christ to culturally express yourself in however you want to. But in that same way, he says you have freedom, right? So everything <laughs> is, yeah, you have liberty. But then at the same time, he says everything's not profitable. Every, yeah. yeah. Everything's permissible, but everything's not profitable. And I think like us having a conversation and exploring what that means for us today in our world. Because reality is we have freedom as Christians, right? We have freedom. Like, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But the reality is, like, yeah, where does freedom stop and where does sin start? And I think, like, that's the question. Yeah. That's the question that I've been having conversations around and a question that would be good to dive into today. So I'm having this conversation, and we begin to just talk about something that would be seen as taboo to some Christians, but something that would be seen— as completely fine and permissible to other Christians, right? Mm-hmm. So if you in the old school church with the church hats, like don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't, don't go, go with girls who, who do, do, right? Yeah. So like the whole is idea that, is, is that like, a saying? Oh yeah, I, I've just heard this <laughs> no, for the first just, time in my just, life. We're just on that level. <laughs> we just finished each other's sentences. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> just made it up on the spot. That was a freestyle that I just knew to finish for him. I've that the heck out of here that's that old school that's that's that old school don't smoke don't drink don't chew don't go with girls who do right so the idea of christians who drink is like no christians don't drink but then like man i came to evangelicalism and i was like oh wonderful most pastors if you actually press them you go in their bottom left drawer and you'll (laughs) You'll they got find, bourbon. They got some bourbon and some glasses. They got short sleeve, short sleeve graphic tees, tattoos, and a bottle of bourbon. A bottle of bourbon, right? <laughs> what is this? Right? To certain sects of Christianity, like, you go and you talk about theology only around craft beer. That's like a whole yeah. deal, right? So the, so the conversation that we were having was like, so if I can drink, like the scripture says not to get drunk, I can drink. Like, when does that become harmful? Mm-hmm. Like, when does it stop being just like something I'm doing socially and something that's harmful, actually? Right. So I think like for a lot of us, the question becomes like, is there a line? Where is the line? Like, where do I where do I find it? Yeah. I think so much of the line has to do with, you know, your convictions, like your personal convictions. And you've got to dive in and figure that out. And what I don't mean is, is 
aligning your personal convictions with your personal preferences. Mm. I'm talking like actually taking something to prayer and openly reading scripture and honestly taking time to listen to how the Holy Spirit is convicting you because often convictions and preferences don't align, right? Like there's people and places that I'd love to go and hang out with every day. And there's there's like pieces and parts of like my life that, yeah, I'd love. I'd love to stay in those. But the reality is that like it's not good for me. You know, like a huge part of my own coming back to the church uh, is aligned with getting in a whole lot of trouble surrounding alcohol. And so like would I love to still be able to like hang out in sports bars during playoff games and and partake in whatever the drink special is and all that. Yeah, I'd love that. Man, I love that atmosphere. I can't do that. I can't do that because it's not good for me. Like it takes me to a place that is horrible for me. Because I get sucked up in the atmosphere. I make choices that are not consistent with the person that I want to be. Does that mean that the two of you should not do that? Does that mean that the two of you can't go get wings and whatever and chill in a sports uh, bar? It's a wing shortage right now. So. <laughs> but like, but like tough here. I don't need to hold that over your heads just because it's something mm-hmm. that I cannot partake in because of my own life and my own history and my own struggles. Like I am prone to different shortcomings than the two of you are. Yeah. I think, I think I look at this when it comes to liberties that the Christian has, I think I look at it on, on two levels. Right. Um, so, so the, the passage in first Corinthians chapter six that you reference, right. The apostle Paul writes that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful and not all things are beneficial. Um, all things are lawful for me. And this is the key phrase to me. All things are lawful for me. I can do whatever, but I will not be dominated by anything. Mm -hmm. So like on a personal level, that's where it's at for me is like, to what extent do I own this thing? And to what extent does this thing own me? Right. Um, I think that I think that when it's to a point that whatever it is that you're trying to find liberty in dictates more of your schedule than the promptings of the Holy Spirit do, that's probably like that's probably not like if you're sitting there more more hastily waiting on uh, the work hour to hit five or six so you can go to happy hour after work. Then you are like meditating and waiting for a word on God because word from God, because you're impatient and work is wearing thin. Then that's, that is where I find it to be like problematic for me. Right. And I think that the worst part about that, and the reason that I say that this is on like a personal level is because I think most people, most people either, I don't believe that you lack the ability to. I believe that a lot of people lack the desire to be honest about that. 
Mm. Like, I think that a lot of people lack the desire to be honest about what has a stronghold on them, like yeah. what owns them versus, you know, like you hear the 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 classic addict phrase, like I can quit anytime that I want. Like, mm-hmm. but a lot of people, you know, lack the honesty to be like, actually, it would be very difficult for me to stop. Um, and I think that, I think that that's kind of, that's kind of on a personal level, like where it becomes problematic for me is like, does it own you or do you own it? I think of money the exact same way for what it's worth. Like here's a, here's a free, you know, a free shout out to, to, to about tithing. Like, like I feel like if, if you can't find it within yourself to financially contribute something, then I would say that that may be indicative that money owns you more than you own it. Mm-hmm. Um, if if your schedule or your life is entirely driven by what puts in and takes out money of your bank account, then that owns you more than you own it, right? If all of your goals are entirely dependent on financial margin and freedom, then that owns you. You don't own it, Um so yeah. are you free to make a million dollars? Yes. But what are you sacrificing in order to get that million? That owns you. You don't own it. And what are you doing with that million once you got it? Man, and that's a whole separate. Everybody says they're going to be generous, but then I see a lot of really nice cars and big houses, so I don't know. Um, but I think that I think that like the other level that I look at it on is um, is on the other like being others aware. Mm. Right. So where is it? Where is it? James, help me out. Is it, is it eight? eight? Is it yeah, eight, eight where, where Paul says like not to be a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can eat whatever I want. He's talking about the cultural, like the cultural practice of like Jews don't eat certain things. Gentiles eat whatever. Like I can eat whatever I want because Christ has made all things clean. Right. That's told explicitly to Peter in Acts chapter 10. Like I can eat whatever. But if this becomes like a stumbling block to one of my brothers or sisters, like religious convictions, then you know what? Just give me that salad then. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if my, if, if my brother or sister struggles with something, let me not go ahead and like do that and flex my liberties in their presence. Do you have them? Sure. But your quiet confidence should come from your Christ centeredness that says like, you don't have to like you can, but you don't have to. And so like for me, um, it's about what is, harmful, hurtful, offensive to those around you more so than it is what you are quote unquote showing people in my case that you are or aren't allowed to do something. Yeah, man. And I think it's, I think that passage is really pointing us towards seeing our individual responsibility through Mm -hmm. the lens of the community Yeah, and not like the opposite, Mm -hmm. not like us seeing like, the whole world just through our individualistic lens. Because the reality is if we see like our individual Christian responsibility through the lens, like of the Christian community, then we're going to be like quicker to not be a stumbling block to our brothers and our sisters. Yeah. Like just on a very like real level, like one of the homies is like really trying to like lose a bunch of weight. Like, yeah, we got some kids, like, homie is trying to like do his best and he's lost like 80 pounds like at this point like shout out to the homie like he looks great like he's lost like 80 pounds but the reality is like it sounds funny but on a very basic level like when we go out like i have a choice and a decision to make yeah yeah like a very real decision to make it's like 
To eat like crap. Yeah, it's like, am I going to be a hater and order some ribs? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, or am I going to, like, link up with my mans and, like, order a salad? Because it's good for me anyway. I need a salad, too. Like, So is it like, I'm, am I going to, like, for real, for real, like, but on a very real level, like, do we see, like, our Christian responsibility is inextricably tied to our brothers and sisters or do we see it through a completely individualistic lens? Right. Yeah. I would go as far as to say, too, that, like, we cannot make some vices bigger than others. We got to recognize vices for what they are. Like, part mm -hmm. of not being a stumbling block is recognizing gossip is an issue. Mm -hmm. It's recognizing anger is an issue. Yep. It's recognizing, like, bad attitudes yeah. As, your, your response to yes. real situations. Yes. yes, yes. Like, this isn't just about gluttony. This isn't just about drinking. This isn't just about smoking and swearing and, yeah. and the things that, like, your grandma told you, you can't do that or you're a bad Christian or you're going to hell or whatever. If you Like, hey, you know what else? You know what else is condemned in Scripture? Hard mm -hmm. hearts. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what else is Gossip. condemned in Scripture? Talking bad about people. Yeah. Even celebrities that you don't know. Yes, like talking crap about people because that's a huge stumbling block. You might be so upset about a situation that occurred, but that doesn't mean that you need to say it out loud. That means you mm -hmm. need to take it to prayer because when you pull that stuff out and you spew that venom, that's latching onto people's hearts, even when they think that it's not, and it's dragging them into drama that shouldn't even be there. So part of not being a stumbling block, it's more than just the food that you eat. It's mm -hmm. more than just the drink that you consume. It's about the speech that you put mm -hmm. into the world. When I look at the person of Jesus, I see somebody who had all the freedom and authority in the universe, right? He had all the freedom and authority in the universe. And yet Jesus chose to live by the will of the father and by influence, right? So he lived by influence. What I mean by that is I know that there is a whole section of people who would go down the path of like, you know, me participating in the things that my friends participate in provides me an opportunity to speak to them about Jesus or about the gospel. Yeah. Right. And to some degree, I believe that to be legitimate. Yeah. Right. Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, like go door, to, go door to door, pray for peace to be on this house. And if peace is returned to you, I don't want you to move on. I want you to stay there. I want you to eat and drink whatever they have to offer. Right. I'm sure he had in mind in company of Jews. I'm sure he had in mind when he said, eat or drink, whatever they have to offer you. There's probably some things to you that may or may not seem unclean. Go to the to cookout, eat, but try it. go ahead and like, you know, go for it. Right. So I'm sure that I'm sure that there is significant legitimacy to you making that statement at the same time, my check question for anyone. And this isn't like, this isn't a challenge. It's not a poke. It's just a check. Like check yourself on this. Um, my question would be, um, is their attitudes and their outcomes that they experience by participating in whatever that thing is rubbing off on you more than your Christ-centeredness is rubbing off on them. Uh -huh. In other yeah. words, which way is the influence flowing? So can you participate in the things that some of your friends are participating in? For sure. But 
if you're doing that, are you influencing them or are they influencing you? What does it look like for you to go there? I've mentioned, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on here before, but like the idea of, you know, I went through that whole season of like, I made it my goal as petty as it sounds to like, not let myself say anything negative about anyone ever. Right. And what I discovered is that it's actually really tricky and really (laughs) difficult for me to participate in conversations about other people who are not present even even if like everyone involved is like is like good hearted you know good hearted about it because i know that like i can and i can be helpful in that conversation but is their perspective and what they're saying that may or may not be negative about the other person pulling me in more than i'm pulling us to look more like jesus in the way in the mm-hmm. way that we speak you feel mm-hmm. me Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so by the time that this airs, uh, we will be in the midst of Holy Week. And the thing that like has been playing in my head since we started talking about this topic was the choices that Jesus consciously made, right? So we know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that Jesus is God in human form walking on earth. Jesus can command a a whole ton of angels to show up at any point. Jesus can raise any person from the dead anytime he wants. He proves it. He does it, right? How many lines in scripture do we see after Jesus performs some sort of miracle that it says, it just says in like a a sentence in passing as if it's casual, and Jesus healed many more along the way, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Like, and Jesus ate dinner. Like it said so casually, but like Jesus did so much and he could, he could do anything he wanted while here on earth, right? Like God opened the heavens and said over him, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Mm -hmm. Like God was going to do anything that Jesus wanted. And so during this Holy Week, which kicked off on Sunday, it's Palm Sunday, in that story, in the triumphant entry of Jesus Mm -hmm. into Jerusalem, he rode a donkey. Man, and I want it to look like Prince Ali. That's right, what I wanted to right, look like. Right, right. Like Jesus, he's the son yeah. of God. Like Jesus deserved that. He know? could have had the Aladdin going <laughs> to uh to to call on Jasmine moment. He could have had like what what is it what does it say in the song like 10,000 camels and all these monkeys and all this gold and all this he could have he's had got the monkeys. He's right. Got the monkeys. Yes, like he could have had a whole parade. And no one would have said a word because he's the son of God. Like that could have been the entrance, but he rode in on a donkey. And like what we miss when we read that in our context is what a donkey said, like what a donkey meant that he, that Jesus chose to rode in on that. First off, it's like fulfillment from Zechariah, right? So Jesus is consciously choosing to fulfill scripture by riding in on a donkey. Mm -hmm. But even more so what Jesus didn't choose was chariots. And like camels with crazy cool, like, you know, like saddle over them and everything else, like riding, like, like riding across like one of the rich wise men. Like he didn't choose a a horse that was like immaculately, like, like immaculately braided hair and like so well groomed and all this. He didn't choose the entrance that like a royal caravan would have communicated. He rode in on a donkey, which was the animal of the common man. He took a humble posture 
and made a humble entrance, communicating that he was a leader and a king who was accessible. He communicated by choice. God communicated by choice mm-hmm. to people, to all humanity, that he was accessible, that he wanted all people, that he wasn't there for the elite. He was there for everyone, not just a select few. Jesus could have taken any entrance he chose, and no one would have said a word about it. But the life he chose was was simple, was accessible, was humble. Hmm. I think that speaks so, it speaks so much to who Jesus is and who we should be in light of that. Like, it makes me think of the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus literally saying, like, Father, if you can take this cup, like, take it. Yeah. But then he says, like, not my will, but your will be done. Yes. They're indicating that, like, his will in that moment was something, like, was something else than the cross. Mm-hmm. But not my will, but your will be done. And man, we have these liberties and we have this mm-hmm. freedom mm-hmm. as the people of God. And this freedom that we should live into. Man, the more I live in the freedom and the more I have fun, I feel like the stronger my witness is. Yeah. I feel like especially in my neighborhood, like <laughs> if I'm going to get off my yard, dude, then like <laughs> mm-hmm. my witness is weak. Yeah. But if I'm to like, hey, like I'm having a party, like. Yeah, I feel like my witness is stronger, but the choice of as we live into those freedoms, what it means for us to still choose, as Corey said, like not to be owned by anything, mm-hmm. but in that to in our freedom, like we are free to now be more deeply formed into the image of Jesus mm-hmm. It's making a decision to say, hey, like, is this thing forming me? more into the image of Jesus or is it more forming me into the image of myself? Because yeah. mm-hmm. I don't need any more help being formed into the image of OAP. I need to be <laughs> formed into the image of Jesus. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the heart that Jesus shows in that, in that instance provides the perfect backdrop to communicate the heart behind what Paul is saying. Right. So Paul standing in the middle of people arguing what is and isn't permissible to eat, what is and isn't permissible to do, like suing other people, like all this other kind of stuff. He's he's basically saying, I know you can. Nobody here is arguing that you can, that you're allowed or that you're capable in Christ. Yeah. But do you need to? Mm. Like, do do you need to? Mm-hmm. And I think like he what he's looking for and he's imploring from his audience and from us now is like this like still quiet confidence that's found in our identity being rooted in Christ, not in flexing what we can or are capable of. Right. I used the analogy earlier of, of um, we were just talking uh, off air um, about like, if you're, if you're in a room, you're not on the basketball court, you're just in a room like this one and everybody in the room can hoop. Everybody in the room has been a hooper, is still a hooper, was a hooper, whatever. How do you know who in the who in the room is the best hooper? If everybody's telling stories and everybody's sharing glory glory days and all this kind of stuff, how do you know who the best hooper is? It's the one who's not saying anything a lot of times, right? And that's because they have this still quiet confidence that like I don't need to tell stories. 
I don't need to like, I don't need to participate in this conversation. I don't need to like go out of my way. I don't need to show you the scar on my knee. I don't like, I don't need to do all that kind of stuff because I know who I am. I know what I was capable of. I know what I am capable of. Like they don't need to like the same should be true of our spirituality. I know what I can participate in. I know I can have a drink. Jesus, Jesus got the wine when the party ran out. I know I can. That's my Jesus. But, (laughs) but I don't, I don't, I don't need to show you that I can. Yeah. I don't need to go out of my way to flex the freedom that I have in Christ, but rather to just show you with the still quiet confidence that I have in who Jesus has made me to be that I like Jesus. I'm just trying to be accessible and just trying to be here for it. You know, trying to reflect, trying to reflect that invitation uh, into new life, not into life that does or doesn't consist of these elements that control us. Right. Uh And I think that that, like, that's the heart that Paul is trying to share in in proper context. It's like, I know you can, but do you need to? Yeah. So I feel like this is a conversation that we could keep going for hours. Um, But for the sake of anybody listening, I'm sure your drive to work has ended uh, or wherever it is that you listen. Workout's over. Right, right. So Good job. You're killing it. You look great. (laughs) New year, new you. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So we're going to end. We're going to end here. Um, We may or may not pick this up next time. I don't know. It depends on what what we got that we want to talk about next time. So I hope I hope something in there is helpful for you as you are discerning uh you know how to live how to live this life. How to live this life following Jesus because sometimes we overcomplicate it and sometimes it actually is a little complicated. Alright, so we'll see you back here in two weeks. Bye.